Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. Joining me on Level Up this week is Lee Mather, Franchise Game Director of the Formula One game series at Codemasters. Lee, it's great to have you on today. How are you, first of all? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Nathan. Good. And so just um, give me a brief explanation of your role at Codemasters, please. Yeah, so as Franchise Game Director, I generally oversee the direction of the game of Formula One. Uh, the other features we include, the, the areas that we focus on the things that are obviously inspiring us from the sport, inspiring us from the world of gaming, uh, you know, and how we can apply those things to make Formula One, you know, the game that, that we think the fans really want to play. And you've, you've announced a host of new features recently for the, for the new game. What are the, some of the features that you're most excited about? Obviously, Breaking Point is the headline feature for, for 21. And I'm really excited by the fact that I think people will be surprised at just how far we've taken it and the quality of the work that's been achieved. Because as a, as a studio that you know make some of the world's best racing games, to bring in such a strong story element, which has been beautifully scripted, acted, and then animated, you know, and, and rendered in, in gorgeous CG, I think it's it's a really significant departure from what we traditionally do year on year. And if you look at what we did in 2019 with the F2 feeder series, that was really cool, and we did a lot more of that internally whereas we've taken some of the, the writing and obviously our professional writers on on 21 um, so i think that's really exciting i can't wait to see how people you know react to that and you brought back the ultimate villain haven't you in, in devon butler for for this game was that did the fans come to you and give you feedback that, that they wanted to see him return or was that something internally you always knew was going to come back we when we created devon we sort of sat around and we thought, yeah, it's like the voice is right. The face is right. You do want to give him a slap. And we kind of, we kind of felt a little sad knowing in 2019 when we saw how well received he was that he wasn't going to get a repeat performance in 20 because obviously we knew what we were doing in 20 and we knew that we were going to obviously do what we were doing in 21. But we hadn't sort of really planned the return of Devon in 21 until we saw how popular he was and and we talked about different ways of bringing him back in 21 and i think you'll um you'll get to see so much more of devon and his character and the sort of person he is in 21 but yeah it was the, the reception was brilliant there were even fake twitter accounts for him <laughs> yeah I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to that i'm really looking forward to uh beating him or pushing him off the track at some stage hopefully as well i just wanted to talk as well about the the in-game physics and the the different tire modeling and things that you've implemented for this game how different is the game in that aspect from the previous game so i think if if you're the sort of player who wants to play with all of the assists on you'll still have a very similar experience you know as you used to in previous years but if you want to delve a little deeper into it and start winding some of the assists back you'll certainly feel that the balance between aero and tire grip is significantly different this year the tire model has moved closer towards you know reality this year again which has made the cars feel more nimble they feel more darty they certainly feel more direct 
again, which in some cases can make them more challenging. But again, we've got the assists there to catch people who, who can't handle that sort of thing. Um, and we've certainly taken a lot of feedback. And, and this is something we've been getting a lot of feedback in the beta about is how people were able to find a setup that kind of always worked for them in 2020. And now because of the aero balance and the tire balance, the sort of, you know, physically, um, you know, mechanical grip balance, the setups are much harder to nail down and they'll obviously need to vary more circuit to circuit. So I think we've certainly added a lot more depth to the handling in that respect this year. You mentioned feedback and I wanted to touch on because the F1 games have become one of the biggest esports titles, obviously with the pandemic that has been going on the last 18 months or so. F1 esports or F1 racing and sim racing was one of the first to take up the mantle as opposed to real life sports that weren't being able to take place. And we saw the not the GP series and then the official F1 uh, guys started getting involved with the races as well. That must have been great for you to have those skilled players playing your game to be able to give you feedback and and say you know how realistic the game is yeah it, it was a it was fantastic seeing the um the success of that series and also it was surreal to see some of the people who took part as well i mean that was something <laughs> that we really weren't expecting but yeah uh, the, the level of feedback we get these days is greater than we've ever had before and the the sort of the time off that the teams had during the pandemic in 20 opened up more time for them to sit and talk to us in, in greater depth. And that's carried on. So we're still having those discussions now on a regular basis. And because a lot of the teams obviously run their esports teams as well, and they have drivers who are contracted but driving at other teams, we've got access to so many of the drivers and the esports drivers who are managed by the teams, plus the esports drivers who are managed by esports organisations. And at the moment, we're running the beta. And again, we're getting a lot of feedback in the beta, even from famous footballers. <laughs> That's always good. I mean, we, we spoke to content creator Arava previously. He's been on the podcast a few times and he was telling us about how he, he started racing Charles Leclerc on, online. And if, he'd, if, you know, if we would have told him he'd be doing that two years ago, he probably would have told me to go away and shut up. But it's just the magic of gaming, isn't it? The fact that, you know, we've, we've had this period where everyone's been stuck inside, but gaming has given, and particularly the Formula One game, has given fans a chance to connect with Formula One drivers like, like never before. And they've done that on your platform. That's got to feel good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great because, you know, there's always that risk that during that short period, people would get involved and then they'd move back to their, their, general, you know, their general day-to-day. And it's been the polar opposite. It's just grown and grown and grown. And the drivers have started to build platforms around it more so. A lot of them are more into gaming than I think they ever were. And, and so, as you say, out of there saying racing with Charles Leclerc, we were doing one of the practice runs before the very first event last year. And I remember being in a practice lobby with Ant Davidson, Nicholas Latifi, Alex <laughs> Albon, George Russell. And I, it, was, it was just so surreal, but it was just absolutely amazing. And I think um, people are really seeing the benefit of gaming for the sport as much as the, you know, the sport for gaming. I've been a fan of Formula One games from ever since I can remember. Like I had the, the one of the F1 games on the Nintendo 64. So I remember that there was a period back then that, you know, if you were interested in a Formula One game or sim racing, you were it was that that was a niche. But now it's so much more mainstream. You've got so much more of a platform. I'm not sure how much that has helped, but it felt like it was going that way anyway with the way Formula One was going and the popularity of that. Uh, I don't know how how you see that evolution from the time you've been because I know you've been a Codemasters for a while so you've seen that evolution yeah it's it's really funny you should say that because it's something that we often talk about internally as well so I, I remember that N64 game that was a really good Formula 1 game it was um, yeah F1 world, world championship, championship or something yeah, yeah that's it so we, we've often said this ourselves we often referred to Formula 1 as sometimes being pe- people's dirty little secret and they don't always want to talk about their love of Formula 1 
And now I remember when the first series of Drive to Survive came out, standing on the train going to work and people watching it on their phones or chatting about the episode they'd watched the night before. And all of a sudden it was everywhere and people were talking about it who traditionally hadn't. Or you'd look on Twitter and there were, you know, some of the Call of Duty guys I follow were suddenly talking about how they'd be watching Drive to Survive and they were loving Formula One. And then the next thing you know, they're playing Formula One and they're playing Formula yeah. One with Lando. <laughs> you know, it's, it's suddenly become more accepted because... It is exciting and it's not just about the on track, it's the world around it. And it's, it really is now, yeah, way, way broader, I think, than it ever was. Yeah. I just want to talk about something I've said previously in a previous episode. I want to get your thoughts on it. I suggested that Codemasters was in a very similar situation that the real life F1 teams are in, in this season because you've had to develop a game where the rules are finishing. And you've got another game next year where the rules will be completely different. And so how do you divide up your time between this year's game and next year's game when I'm guessing there's got to be a complete revamp of the physics and stuff for next year? Uh, has that been a challenge for you? And how have you divided up that time? So it's, um, it's something that we've obviously had to handle numerous times in the past. And now we've not just got one team that work on Formula One. So what we do is, and we've done this since 19, we have a small team who are working two years ahead and then the main sort of full-size team is still working on the, the next release. And then obviously there's a contingent on the big game that will finish their work earlier. So for example, the physics team, they won't be working till the absolute you know, end of the development. They'll get their work done. So then the handling guys can start configuring and setting up the cars. So that team can then start looking at what they're doing on the, the following year title. And then gradually everybody gravitates over to the other year. So we've got a full team then working on that title so with regards to things like the physics that team can start looking at it a little bit earlier than certain certain you know other areas of the the team so yeah but it obviously does it does bring up a challenge and that we have to obviously maintain two physics models as well so we've got the one that's in the current game and then as we know next year the cars are physically very very different and we're already starting to build them based on the information we've been given by formula one and the knowledge that we know from the rules and in the future as well, I mean, not just the future now, you've got the power of the next-gen consoles that came out last year. You've got PC parts like the, the new graphics card, the 3090 that's come out recently that's given people more power than ever before, really. What have you been able to implement this year that you weren't able to before? And how, are, how excited are you at the, the, the power you've got at your hands almost? Yeah, it's still very early days, isn't it? There's, there's so much we... As you know, throughout a console generation, people just keep finding more and more and more. Um, but the big difference for us this year is, firstly, you can play on any of those platforms. So if you're playing on a PS4, you can play against your friend on a PS5, and you'll get the same experience. You'll get the same features. But the player on the PS5 will get the ability to run at 120 frames per second if they want to, which is obviously really nice in a, in a racing game. Silky smooth, lovely, um, lovely inputs. You'll also have the ability to use the... Triggers, the new triggers on the PlayStation 5, they're a really great feature, the, the, you know, the resistance triggers. You'll also be able to get the improved visuals on the damage model. So we've obviously now got a much more uh, intricate damage model in 21, but the player who's playing on the next-gen platforms will get to see a visually more striking damage model as opposed to but the, the actual physics of it will be the same. You'll still be damaging the same components, so we can take that to the next level as well. So it's very much pushing those visuals, pushing the performance and giving the player the option of a performance versus um, you know, visual experience in a Formula One game. Yeah, I think it's really exciting, the future of these consoles, because I remember when the, the PlayStation 2 came out that people have 
had got so much out of the PS1 games that when the PS2 came out, PS2, the first PS2 games ran worse than the PS1 games that came out right at the end of the cycle. So but it just gives you so much confidence, doesn't it, moving forward that you've got so much potential for the, for the future of the franchise. Yeah, definitely. I think when we did this in the previous generation transition, we moved wholesale onto the next gen. Whereas this time we recognized that the best thing to do for the fans was to allow it to, to, to have create a title and an engine that could scale so that you could play it on both and that there would be you know consistent playing experience between them. But obviously you would get benefits from playing on the, you know, the up-to-date and new platforms. But yeah, it's really exciting. And I think, um, you know, seeing the, the scarcity of some of the devices out there is definitely the right approach because it would be a shame for players to not be able to get their hands on F1 2021 and, and the platform to play it. That's a nice segue into my next question because I was just about to touch on the pandemic and the fact that you can't really get your hands on, you know, any graphics cards or, you know, next-gen consoles are quite scarce now. Um, it's getting better, but it, is, it has been a problem in the last 12 months. Just how difficult for you, though, has it been to develop a game during a pandemic? And has that, has that put any restrictions on you at all? And how proud of your, of your team are you that you managed to develop this game um, for next-gen consoles in, during a pandemic? Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely amazing. And Codemasters and in particular our IT and infrastructure teams have made our lives incredibly easy. Um, you know, it could have been so much harder transitioning to everybody working from home in this way. And yet they've made it pretty seamless. I mean, we, we, we did the majority, I'd say the last sort of half of F120, you know, less than half, um, probably the last third of F1 2020 was when we transitioned to working from home. So that was incredibly disruptive. But only for a couple of days in the end, you know, it was so seamless. 21 and on the other hand, was kind of being still conceived and going through a lot of the design and creative process while people were transitioning to working from home, which is a shame because it's, it's so nice to just have those chats around people's desks and throwing ideas around and standing in front of a board making squiggles and stuff. And you, know, you do miss some of that. But the services, I mean, even it's like we started out, um, obviously we use Microsoft Teams and that's, they've expanded the functionality and feature set in that, which has made it easier and easier. So we've, we've all slipped into it quite effectively now. And I don't think it's had any any detrimental effect on the development of the game. And another thing that's changed for you is that EA have got involved massively, completed their acquisition of Codemasters earlier this year. Um, how has that transition gone? And has that been a bit of a strange experience for you all? No, not at all. I think a few of us have been through similar in the past. Uh, and I'd say this has definitely been the nicest and the most welcoming one that I've ever been through. It's been really lovely. I mean, everybody who we've spoken to, and there's been a lot of people. Uh, you can imagine a lot, of in, a lot of introductions, a lot of meetings. Yeah. Um, but they've all been along the same theme, which is, hey, we're not coming in and, and telling you what to do. We're not coming in and, and asking you to make changes. This is what we have. If you want any of it, help yourself. You know, these are the, the EA have got so much, you know, they've got so many teams that don't necessarily just work on one specific franchise. There's so much tech, so many things they've got on offer that we can pick and choose which ones would help us to, to grow Formula One even further. So it's, it's been really cool so far. And I wanted to touch on esports as well, because obviously we've seen that go more into mainstream than ever before, With and your guys have been a massive part of that as well. You mentioned, and I've seen a, a few people mention the kind of tyre physics, they feel more sim racery than arcade, and you're kind of moving towards that. How difficult is that balance between you wanting to be an accurate representation of Formula One racing, but also you don't want to you know, put off a casual player that just coming into it and how important are assists in that, I suppose, as well? Yeah, I mean, the assists are essential. And I think if you look at what we did in 20 when we brought in the casual race mode, 
that's opened up the ability to go a little bit more aggressively on the tyre model and the aero model this year. And again, it's it's not a case of we don't want to make the game hard for the sake of making it hard. You know, that's not what Formula One's about and that's not what the drivers experience. I think we've said this many times, the drivers will always say, Formula One car is easy to drive. It's not hard to drive. That's their job. So why would you want to put a player in front of a, a console to play a Formula One game and say, well, I can't play it. It's too hard because that's not the experience a Formula One driver has. So it's finding that balance, making sure that we've got the right suite of assists, that anybody can enjoy the on-track experience. And those who want to take it to the extremes find that they're tinkering with all the settings to try and find those tenths here and there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act, you know, one that I think we've, um, from the feedback we've had so far this year, from the beta in particular, is something that we've, uh, we've nailed. And I've got a very specific question for you that's personal to me because it, it's affected me in the last few games. I feel like I wanted to ask you personally, so it's a good opportunity. Have you, you know, when you come into the pits and you have to wait for the the other cars to go before you have to go, it's ruined a couple of my races. And I think we saw it as Bajan, it happened to Hamilton as well, where he was held for an extra two seconds. So he lost that position to Perez. Um, have you Have you changed that at all for this year's game or have you altered some stuff? So we, we looked at it, I think, post-launch in 2020, and we made some changes there. And I believe we've gone back and revisited some of that as well. Obviously, we don't want to have collisions in the pit lane, so we try and avoid those. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of, obviously, being able to calculate what the gap's going to be and how when a car's going to arrive at a certain point so you can release yeah. at the right time. And, and obviously, the last thing we want to do is to impede somebody's ability to win the race in those situations. But as you say, it happens regularly in real life. It yeah. happens quite often that you know a, a routine pit stop could be the end of it all for somebody. I would take the unsafe release and the fine, to be honest, in the game, if that was an option. I'd just go right in front of them and cut them off. Um, to a breast down the pit lane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'd like to do. So thanks for that. Uh, that might that might help me in, in the future games. I just wanted to touch on sim racing and, and esports once again. How impressed have you been with the professional sim drivers and the professional F1 players like Jano Otmir, for example, who won the championship last year with their consistency in the driving in your game? And was are you... Were you surprised about just how good they were? No, not at all. No. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 we've, we've watched these guys racing before we even had the eSports series. You know, a lot of us would have watched in particular like the Apex Racing League, you know, and you'd see a lot of those guys come through, and you knew that they were going to be quick. Uh, and like during the early phases of the eSports, you could see who'd got the magic and who'd got the consistency. Um, and they put so many hours in. You know, it's, it's a real job to, to become as good as they are. Uh, but also it's been interesting to see how the different games suit different drivers as well um, as you find with your teammates in Formula 1 one might excel while the other one really struggles because the car doesn't suit them and it's very much some years some drivers have done better than others because the feel of the cars suited the way that they play and the way that they drive so really seeing how successful they've been how consistent how quick they are and how that's translating to some of them now having real drives in other formulas I'm, I'm not at all surprised I think the, the big surprise was seeing professional Formula One drivers jump into a game and how easily their skill just translates to being quick. Uh, you know, I mean, in that warm-up race we had last year, at one point Alex Albon commented that I was relatively quick. Didn't last for long. Uh, not <laughs> like, it wasn't long after that before him and George Russell were running rings around me, you know, and it came so naturally to them. Yeah, I mean, George Russell was the one for me where, I mean, they're even talking about it on the the actual broadcast and saying how his reputation increased because of just how dominant he was in those few races. And um, I think Ian Poulter is probably one of the worst celebrities, unfortunately, uh, 
being lapped a few times on that as well. But um, we spoke to Veloce Esports Managing Director of the USA, Ryan Tavita, who's a professional race driver in his own right. He's racing F2 and F3. And um, I was talking to him about the fact that F1 games could be a path into the Formula One in the future if because karting is so expensive and we've seen a number of drivers have to drop out. Look at James Baldwin, the world's fastest racer, who was um, in, in one of the sim races as well. Do you think that that could be a possibility in the future with the, the games becoming more more accurate, I suppose, and more representative of real life? Do you think that could be an option in the future where we see the first virtual racer going to F1? I think that one's a, that was, it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it, to go, I think, from from virtual to F1. I think with some, some stepping stones along the way, I think it's possible. But I think, it, wouldn't it be interesting if, if somebody did just get that opportunity, just, just yeah. that once to try it and see how close they were? I mean, Absolutely. I've been lucky enough to drive a team simulator and it was amazing how, again, relatively easy it was to drive and how relatively easy it was to keep the car on the track. You just had to push hard to keep the downforce, otherwise you really were skating all over the place. Um, and my lap times were terrible. They were nowhere near what a Formula <laughs> One driver was achieving. And I'm not saying like horrendous, but they were probably sort of two, three seconds off the pace. But it was easy to relate the apex speeds, the rec- the gear that you need to be in to what I've learned from you know, playing game side of it. And yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. It'd be really interesting to take one of the pro esports guys and see how they compare in a Formula One car. Yeah, well, J- James Baldwin was telling me, you know, when he run that race for Jensen Button's GT3, British GT Championship team, and he's driving the McLaren in one of his first races, he was in the paddock and one of the other drivers said, can you just not get him away when I lap you? And, uh, you know, he was, he just had that reputation because he'd come from sim racing mm-hmm. and, uh, he put it on pole in the first race, but it was taken away from him because of track limits, uh, cause they're quite, they're a bit more stringent than, yeah. uh, on the virtual game. But, um, he's won a few, a few races and he's definitely in, enhanced his reputation. And we're speaking to, um, Giano Artmere, the, one of the best F1 sim races I've ever seen. And he made the argument that, in his position, why would he want to go into real life racing at this stage? Because he's he's made such a good transition into being a, a sim racer, and he's, and he's partnering with all these. He's with Mercedes, um, you know, virtual a virtual team. So why would that's almost a career in its own right now, which is really exciting to see. You've got the two branches. Yeah, that's a it's a really good point actually. I've never considered that that. Um... You sort of think that people are always looking for their in into real motorsport. Yeah. But we've actually, we've instead, we've, we've kind of built such a now compelling and you know, competitive platform that's starting to now stand on its own two feet. You know, we, there's big sponsors yeah. coming in. If you look at the esports, the, the support that we have for that, the support that Formula One have for it, and the fact that it's live televised broadcast, that's proper entertainment. You know, yeah. why would you want to deviate away from that? Yeah, and I, I thought I was trying to help him out and say F1 and sim racing has got a really a, a really big advantage over other esports in that you're doing the same movements, you're turning the wheel, you're finding the apex, you're finding the breaking point, and you're doing it the same as you would do in a, in a real life car. Which so on FIFA, for example, you're not actually kicking a ball around, you're playing on a controller, so it has that advantage. But you know, he made that great point about yeah you know, it it could be something that I do, but why would I do it? So it's, yes, yeah, definitely a really exciting thing for, for esports. And the F1 game has played a massive part in that. And it's been great watching these guys and um, pick up a few tips along the way, hopefully for myself to, to, to play as well. But Lee, I really appreciate your time talking about the F1 game and I can't wait to get my hands on it. And I'll hopefully get a few good laps in and hopefully it'll make me better 
with the improved, improved time modeling, but that's not your target. Your target audience is not to make me better, is it? It's to make the game better overall. So yeah, thank you so much for spending time with me and best of luck in the future. And um, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks, Lee. Thank you for listening to Level Up, the esports and gaming show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a rating and review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Level Up Pod, where you'll find all of our previous episodes and information about how to subscribe. We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon.